on a scale of one to 10, how close are you with The Rock? You've been in two films with The Rock, <laughs> San Andreas and Jungle Cruise. What a great question. I'm going to say <laughs> close is like, I mean, I mean. Don't dance around it. Come on. Three? I, <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're like communicating all the time. I think if I saw him, it would be really nice to see him. Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. I'm Josh Horowitz. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, it's Paul Giamatti. He's been a rhino, Santa Claus, an orangutan, and John Adams. Eat your heart out, Daniel Day-Lewis, is what I'm saying. He's also <laughs> reteaming with his sideways director, Alexander Payne, in the wonderful new film, The Holdovers. It is fantastic. He is fantastic. It has taken a while, but Paul Giamatti is finally on Happy, Sad, Confused. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. It's good to see you, man. Uh, congratulations on the film. We're going to cover a lot today. Okay. Um, first of all, you should know, as much of a fan of your work, your acting work as I am, I have newly discovered you as a podcaster as well. Oh. I, have a feeling, I have a feeling Paul Giamatti would rather be talking about Bigfoot and simulations right now You're than exactly his acting right. career. In fact, I did the podcast because I was tired of not talking about Bigfoot and UFOs <laughs> and ghosts and things like that. Because I've been obsessed with it since Thank you for mentioning it, Josh. It's Chinwag is Chinwag. Yes. Thank you, sir. It's called Chinwag. And I do it with a friend of mine, Stephen Asma, who is a philosophy professor, but not what you think of a philosophy professor being like. And it is. We take weird topics like that and we talk to people who are experts in them and people who are not. And generally, also the idea, it's not an interview show, it's just a kind of conversation. So anyway, it's fun. But th thank you for mentioning that. No, it's a great listen, to be honest. And and I know from our past, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I remember you were never like the guy that loved doing all the press stuff, not because you don't enjoy folks like me or whatever, but it's just not, it's it's a weird, it's a weird circumstance. Yeah, and, to hear, yeah. and to hear your genuine enthusiasm on that show <laughs> is just, it's really wonderful. I'm, just, I'm, I'm genuinely enthusiastic about it. All that stuff we talk about is super interesting to me. Were so. you were you were you an X Files guy? Did you, you in all your guest I, spots? You never did X Files. I was never on X Files. No, no. I also want to point out I've never been on any iteration of Law and Order. I just want everybody to know that, and I feel like I don't exist as an actor. You don't as a like New I'm York actor too. Yeah, yeah. As a New York actor, I clearly it's all a fiction. I don't exist. But no, I was never on X Files. I did enjoy X Files. The first few seasons, then I kind of lost the thread of it a little bit, but uh, I did enjoy it. Yes, very much. So that kind of thing in general, yes. Have you ever um, been in the company of an actor that's enjoyed this kind of stuff as much as you? Is 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 Maggie Smith? Is Russell Crowe? Are they big enthusiasts of uh, Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe is into Stranger Things than you might think. Our first guest on the show was Billy Bob Thornton, who I oh, worked yeah. with, who is into stuff like this. Yes. So I do occasionally come across people and a lot of people, they're not so vocal about it. He he is, he doesn't care. Yeah. So he'll just tell you anything, but but he definitely was, he, he, he's a guy that really clicked with this kind of stuff. Yeah, he will happily talk for 45 minutes about being afraid of antique furniture. In exactly, and it's super interesting, super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, segueing, uh, this is why they pay me the big bucks into your uh, film, The Holdovers. I don't expect Paul Hunnam to be a big believer in the occult or any of this conspiracy stuff. That's not his bag. No, he's a skeptic. He's a stoic. He's a he's a hard facts man. It's all about just like, yeah, he's, he doesn't buy into any of that kind of nonsense. 
So for those that don't know, as I alluded to before, this obviously is a great reunion between you uh, and Alexander Payne, um, the great filmmaker that um, mm -hmm. helped kind of reinvent your career in, in some ways. I mean, you obviously had a prosperous career, but sideways. Yeah, was well, I guess reinvented, but kind of really gave me a big gift that changed it for sure. So sideways 2005, were you, let's recollect that one before we come to holdovers for a second. Like at that time, were you, what was the most shocking part of that? Was it the the that role itself? Yeah, just getting it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Tom and I were both constantly convinced we were going to make it a few days, and they were going to fire us. We were like, "There's no way this is actually going to pan out." It was shocking that we were in it at all. I'm not kidding. What did you have any sense in the process of being cast? Like, was it a struggle, or was it sort of like Alexander had the juice then to cast who he wanted, and this was it? I think it was, I mean, you'd have to ask him, but I don't think it was the easiest thing in the world to sell it with me and him. But I but, but but I don't think it was the hardest. He found, you know, Fox Searchlight was willing to do it. I think a couple other outfits were not, which is fine and understandable, frankly. And so, you know, it was, um, but they finally stepped up to it. I don't think it was the, too hard, but it was not the easiest. And then in the wake of it, I mean, there's that that aspect. Yes, just getting it made and having it be something you're proud of. But then for it to be a legit, kind of phenomenon in that realm. I mean, that, that kind of film doesn't often, certainly nowadays, even less so sadly, um, become a mainstream. Yes, the awards were, were were wonderful, but it's almost the more shocking part is how well it did financially. And it was just like a cultural a moment. Huge cultural phenomenon. And it was really that, yes, all of that was, I mean, I thought we'd made a good movie, but certainly right. the reaction to it was far beyond anything I conceived of, and probably Alexander. I mean, I don't know that anybody thought people were going to, I, I mean, I think it's most actors and directors, they don't have something, they're not lucky enough to have something like this that lasts. I mean, it was 20 years ago, and people still talk to me about that movie like it just happened, like it was just made, you know, it's like it's had that kind of, that just doesn't happen much anymore. That something has that much cultural staying power in people's memories is, is just doesn't happen. And not to mention in, in every restaurant, this is probably a nice thing, but like you you probably get a want a bottle of Pinot sent over every other night of your life. I I I I yeah, there's a lot of that, but unfortunately I don't drink wine and I know nothing about wine and never have. And so I break a lot of like sommeliers' hearts around the world. <laughs> you see that their spirit die they're, in their eyes. Oh, they're they just, just like, like I'm and you, sir. I'm giving you the wine list. And I'm like, I don't have a clue. I don't even know which one's red and which one's white. And sorry, dude, but I know nothing about it. I was so. watching some of some just a refresh. It's been a while, but I watched like that wonderful scene between you and Virginia where you're talking about Pinot. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling after all of these years, I don't know if you caught this. I don't think you're talking about Pinot in that scene, mm -hmm. Paul. Well, that's interesting. Gosh. I mean, no, I don't think I am. I yes, no, you're right. It's a it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Was he aware of that? Not just metaphor, though, because I was never actually thinking he knows that. She knows it. Right. She knows he's not self aware enough talking. to know that. He doesn't know what they're actually talking about, but she gets it. She knows right. it. Yeah. So so. It has been a long time since you've worked with Alexander. Mm -hmm. Was it instantaneous? Is it usually instantaneous when you work with a filmmaker, when you just have whatever that silly chemistry, whatever we call it? Yes. Is, that, is that immediate on, on the first day? First yes, couple it is. I mean, set? I don't know that I've had the opportunity to work with somebody like him twice. Uh, I mean, I'm amazed I worked with him once. Now I can't believe I worked with him twice. 
but I think in the first place, there was some kind of immediate rapport from the audition I did for Sideways. There was some kind of funny rapport that just felt, I didn't think I was going to get the part, but I right. just remember thinking this guy, I can't believe I'm so lucky to meet him. And he's great, actually. And we get along very well. And there is a lot of, we don't talk a whole lot about character and things like that. We don't kind of don't need to, it seems like. I sort of get what he wants. He sort of gets, and I trust him and he trusts me, which is a huge gift to an actor. That's not, that's rare. That's more rare than you would think. The complete trust he has in everybody on the set is rare, really rare. Well, it goes both ways because obviously trust yeah. is so key for you as an actor to, to make an ass of yourself. Because like if you make an ass of yourself and you have a director you trust, it's not going to end up in the film. Like you can go for it. And <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> I just try so many. It's, it's, it's so many ways in which trust will play out. And and you you do have it in him. You're in, you're in very safe hands the second you start making a movie with him. And so- very safe hands the second you start watching a movie of his. Yes. So. No, I mean, I love it. As a, as a movie lover, um, he hasn't really made a, a wrong move for me. It's just always yeah. a treat. And, and this one is no different. Um, so does he tell you when he's developing this that he has you in mind for the role? And is that generally a good or bad thing as an actor? Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> this could go either well, way. No, it's incredibly. I don't know that I can't think of any that, again, ever happening with anybody else. And certainly the level of friendship and trust I have with him, I know it's going to be something great. Right. And uh, yeah, he did um, He did tell me about this movie and we were trying to get it done. He showed me, he showed it to me in stages as it was being written and it was great. And then we, we, had a, we tried to get it made several times and scheduling wise, it didn't work out. But yeah, the second, I mean, I'd do anything here. I don't, I'd do anything the guy wants me to do. But, you know, it happened to be this, which was great. So, you know. And, and the shorthand for folks that don't know, um, Alexander was actually on the podcast recently, so folks can watch that one. But like for this conversation, this is about kind of three three souls at a, at a boarding school that kind of have to find each other in that kind of lost period, that lost holiday period where they don't really have they they have to establish kind of their own sad, happy found family in the in the yeah, uh, in the holiday create times. a little found family, yes, and 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 find that they all have empathy for each other and help each other move a little bit forward. They don't, they don't suddenly, everything isn't suddenly solved, but there's a little bit of forward movement for all of them. Yes. Spoiler warnings, but the sequel to this isn't necessarily, and they lived happily ever after. The, no. re, the reality probably is, yeah. they did it. Like this who was knows? a moment. Yeah. I don't, who knows what's going to happen to them, but they've, they've, they found each other. They had this great experience with each other and it allows them to at least think about moving forward. I had the sad realization when I was watching the movie that I related more to your character than to Dominic's character. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> it's like. Now, is that age because of, yeah. because you feel like you're getting old now? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh exactly. God, well, also curmudgeon, the curmudgeon in me, of course. But yes, the age thing is a big thing. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you find <laughs> it's sad. But, wow. but this guy, Paul, is somewhat, I would imagine, in your bones. I mean, you you spent time at prep school. You come from academia. Um, mm -hmm. I imagine there's some corduroy in your wardrobe. Maybe there's a bow tie or two. <laughs> really? Do I look like a bow tie guy? No, yeah, I actually don't. No, no. No, I don't. I, I don't have any corduroy. I used to have corduroy. I used okay. to wear a lot of corduroy as a child. I wore corduroy big in the early 70s. I wore sure. a lot of corduroy. I don't think I've ever, by choice... I've worn bow ties in movies. Okay. 
<laughs> all of that said, you are correct that I was, that I was, that it is, in, it was very familiar territory to me. So what, what can you draw upon? Is, the, is there specific stuff that you can bring into the, again, you were in the process of a little bit in terms of the development process. So did you inform it with any of your own life experience? No, I didn't No, I didn't tell them anything to do with the script. It was all of that looked great as they kept moving along. And no, I didn't have anything to add to anything except sort of unconsciously, probably a lot of memories. I mean, I just, yeah. I was saying to somebody, I, I, saw myself in the movie the first time and there were all these people I recognized from my life at certain moments in it in a weird way I've never experienced before that I didn't even really know I was sort of in some unconscious way referencing and drawing on people yeah. colleagues of my father's and teachers that I had I mean I had teachers at prep school like this there was still when I went there's only 10 years or so after this movie takes place right. so a lot of those guys were still there and they're all guys and it's like and they're very settled into this whole shtick about those schools and they're very settled into their personas that they have and and it's it's a real thing it's a deep deep thing for those guys and so all of that was just there which I think Alexander knew I think it's also why he was like, I'm writing this for you because I think you know this. Stuff. Right. So I was talking to, to him a little bit about this. Like there's such a palpable, great feeling of, of production design. And I know it's obviously all shot on location. Like it has a, such a strong sense of place that is very reassuring and, and, and familiar. Even if I didn't yeah. live in that time, I've seen the movies of that time. And as many have yeah. said, and this is a true uh, meant as a compliment, it does feel like this lost film from that era. And it's it's just yeah. delicious to kind of like discover it in that yeah. way. Um, do you, I mean, that must, that, that sense of place on set must have been palpable and really informed. For the sure. environment. One of the things I really love about his movies and about him as a director and him as a person is he's got this incredibly acute sense of place, not just like regions, cities, but also rooms, institutions, schools, hospitals. Like he's got this incredible fascination with real places and with yeah. like the, the texture of places. And it's, and it's great. It's really cool. And, and he was, he loved Massachusetts and he loved it was so great the weather and it was so important and then the interiors of those schools and then the production design contributed to it in a fantastic way so that you really just felt effortlessly transported you didn't have to do a lot of work it was all there but that's hard stuff to do especially the 70s and the 60s well any of it is because it's very easy to overdo it yes you did a step over a line where now it's everybody's got crazy giant bell bottoms on right. and everybody's like, and you go too far and it doesn't and then you don't believe it anymore and then not enough. So it's really hard to hit that sweet spot. And they really did in this. What were what were you like when you were Dominic's age, the, the character in the film? I mean, like you, I imagine you don't get into you know Yale by being like a little little shit who's kind of like fucking around. You probably did. You have your shit together as at that age or no? Some ways I think I did. I mean, it's funny. I don't. It's fine. It's hard. People keep asking me this, and I'm like, God, I don't really know. Dom, I was not like Dom. Dom has got his shit together. Right. And it's like, I mean, I feel like most kids now, my son, who's a little bit older than Dom, he's got his shit together. It's like they're way more confident, not arrogant and not hubris or something, but there's a kind of confidence and ease and stuff that I just didn't have. I was, I was kind of a, I didn't belong to any one sort of social group. 
Oddly enough, my big social group was the swimming team, which is weird when I think hmm. about it. I was not a big jock or anything like that, but that was, I was not, and I was, I was, if I was interested in the subject, I, I was really into it and I, and right. I worked hard. But, you know, I was kind of stuck to myself, but I had friends. I don't know. Yeah. It's a really funny thing that I, I wasn't miserable. You know, I wasn't like that. I wasn't like, but I wasn't, I wasn't the class clown. I wasn't like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you contain multitudes, as we talked about at the beginning, as we all I do. So. I mean, I yeah. So. yeah. I suppose so. It's interesting. It's interesting. also very fascinated by like the first phase of Paul Giamatti's career because when I look back to like <laughs> the 90s Paul mm -hmm. Giamatti when did you graduate out of, out of Yale School of Drama what, School of Drama the was yeah. the 94 I graduated from college in 89 right and actually started made some money made a very small living as an actor in Seattle and so I, like I regional theater, like a, like a regional theaters, kind of not even that experimental theater stuff, oh. theater, but I actually did some TV movies, some movies, tiny little parts and things like that, industrial films, local commercials, things like that. So I actually had a funny little barely scraping by career in Seattle for a few years before I went back to drama school. But then when I look, I guess most of this period that I'm talking about is maybe mm -hmm. after you graduate drama school and kind of mm -hmm. before Man on the Moon, if we want to like set a marker, like an arbitrary mm -hmm. marker. And I'm fascinated yeah. because like there is this run, you like worked with like every cool filmmaker in the 90s. I, you're right. I did. You're so, right. It's to rattle a few off for the folks that don't know, it's Cameron Crowe, it's Woody Allen, it's Sidney Pollack, it's Spielberg, it's Peter Weir. Um, That's it, crazy that you're saying it. John Woo. I worked John with John Woo. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, I worked with Milos Foreman. You're right. We get up to that. Actually, you say that, and that's crazy. I'm like, I worked with Sidney Pollack. Sidney Pollack. Sidney Pollack. That's crazy. So, were you? So clearly, you didn't. You were so in the weeds. You didn't kind of have a second to take take a moment. But no, I'm, it was, and I've just forgotten about it. No, at the time, I was like, I'm working with Sidney Pollack. I mean, it was definitely Peter Weir was really like. I mean, he's. I put him up there. He, I gave, got Alexander, and then Peter Weir's up there. He was fantastic. And, and so you were, of course, in, in Truman's show, which again yeah. is just one of these classics I've seen probably a hundred times in my life. And I, I, I remember, I've always wanted to ask you this, like, because there's all this lore about the recasting of the Ed Harris role, which was originally Dennis Hopper, as Dennis I recall. Yeah. Did, and you were, you're in the control room for folks that want to go back and look. Yes, I play the guy who runs the control room. There wasn't really a part. I mean, there were kind of a lot of those parts in that movie. He would, his, his, sorry, his audition process was amazing. He brought you in and he did a fake talk show. He played a kind of cheesy talk show host. This was what? your audition and you just improvised <laughs> with him. And then he kind of came back to people and went, I like you, I got a part for you. You're gonna be the guy who runs the control room is what he, and he did this with a lot of people. And then he handpicked every extra and he would go talk to them and they had their own stories. They all had to have their own story. So he did that and yes, he brought us in. I, I think I worked with Dennis Hopper for like a half a day. Or something Got like it. He, I mean, and that was amazing because I Dennis Hopper was a hero of mine. Of so it's like and he was the nicest guy in the world, and he just was like, Yeah, not I don't not 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 working, not clicking. He doesn't feel like acting much anymore, I think. You know, I see. Got it. Done, I think he just was kind of over it. 
And so he was like, I should check out. I mean, it was him. He was like, um, you should get somebody else. And Ed Harris had like three days to prepare oh, three. that. And I think he got nominated for it. He's amazing in that film. And he's yeah. amazing. And he had like three days to prepare that part. You, but you jump out in all these films. Like you're, you're in Saving Private Ryan. You're in My Best Friend's Wedding, which like, yeah. and you not only are in that, you have like this crazy, very pivotal scene yeah. Like Julia Roberts at the height of Julia Robertsing. Yeah, maximum Julia Roberts. That thing. Yeah. Do you remember shooting that? You're kind of what are you? Oh, like yeah. a bellhop, like a, a bellhop. Yeah. And I have a smoke with her in the hallway and I encourage her to like, you know, don't worry about things or something. I don't even remember. <laughs> I vividly remember shooting it. I had no idea what the all I had seen was that scene. I didn't know what the movie was about, nothing. I didn't know what the hell. I don't think I even know what it was called. And it was just, but that's what it was like doing parts like that. Right. You and just so swoop in, they're in the middle of their thing and you're they just, just pull you in, they, you do the thing and they throw you out and it's like, thanks. You know, and it's just like, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's to me still the thing that when I work with people doing that, it's the hardest thing to do. Yes. It's the hardest thing to do. It's to key into the vibe, what everyone's going for and not and miss a beat. Five lines maybe, or, you know, who knows what you're going to have to do. You're the bartender and you have to remember all this shtick with the glasses and the, and get the line. I mean, it's the hardest thing to do. So I always have huge empathy for the people doing that. So I mentioned Man on the Moon, which I remember at the time was like one of these like gigantic big deal movies. It was Milos yeah. Forman who was coming off. I think he had just done People versus Larry Flint. He was, again, also height of his powers. Amazing. Yes. The yes. famous like <laughs> casting call for Andy Kaufman, where uh -huh. it was like is Edward Norton is it? Uh, uh, and it ends up Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. And you have, you're playing Zamuda, this mm -hmm. another fantastic character, arguably yeah. the second most important character, second or third in the film. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Was was that as intense a casting process as what Milos was going for for Andy? Like, how did you? Because again, that's a step up from what you'd been doing. It's true. Uh, yes, it was, and it was. It was. It was. That was anxiety inducing. That one because I was a little bit like, "Wow, how did I end up here with Milos Forman and Jim and all these people?" I do remember having to go do an audition with Jim. I auditioned. I put myself on tape. And then I went and met Milos with Jim and I had to do a thing with Jim. It's funny. I haven't thought about this in years. And that was wild and, and kind of intense. And it was sort of improvised. I think I don't really remember what we did. We sat in a hotel room, the three of us and sort of did this stuff. And then I ended up getting the, getting the movie. And it was, I was a little bit like, wow, how the fuck did I just end up here? That was a little disorienting. Well, the whole experience sounds wild and intense. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jim infamously, basically stating character went full Kaufman and having you, full you, Tony Clifton when he was Tony Clifton, which, which was, is even less, way less pleasant. More. That was the thing that would, that was the thing that was way more intense and crazy than just, than Andy Kaufman was. There, was and there's a, there's a doc. I don't know if you've seen it. That came I haven't out a couple seen the doc. No, I've never, I have to see the doc sometime. It's they pretty fast. I remember they were, when they were making it, the idea was to do something with all this behind the scenes stuff. Right. And then I don't know, it sat around for a long time. He finally made that documentary. About it. He clearly was making Milos, poor Milos, driving him crazy. <laughs> poor guy, crazy, crazy. He, he had to spend most of his time just corralling that shit. And he would do, you know, he was doing crazy stuff. He brought 40 Hells Angels to the set one day, which was great, but it was just like that. And then those guys were everywhere. And 
he would i don't know he did so much crazy <laughs> it was like it was really wild it was fun so, you know, it was uh, fun. an experience good to laugh yes, about was, now yeah yes it was yeah no it was fine at the time i was like sure this is great with me yeah, yeah. i'm fine with this have you done with? anything nearly as extreme for a role are you the guy that kind of like become a shoe cobbler for a year for uh daniel day lewis style no, no. And it's, I, and I get it. And it's admirable. I don't, I don't have any kind of, you know, it's, it's, I know people who did Lincoln and said, oh, it's, yeah. a time, it's a time machine. You walked in the room with them and it was Lincoln and it put you where you needed to be. The only thing it's ever kind of by default that's happened on was I did this John Adams series for HBO, yeah. which because of the sheer amount of time right. I had to be there and I had no time off from that and all day long and in the costumes all day long was this kind of almost inadvertent method thing where I just was the guy all the time and it right. was like yeah and I would on the weekends I would have dreams about it and I would wake up in the middle of the night talking in my sleep and my my wife at the time said I woke up one night and was shaking her and going Who, who's going to be secretary of state who's going to be secretary <laughs> of state to her so it was it just that just happened by because you were so immersed in it it just happened what was the decompression? What's the day after, like on something like John Adams? Or are you it just was hard? Like, that was a yeah. that was a tough one. That was that was a thing where it did linger in my mind for a long time. That part and the way he talked and everything lingered. And now I've been called upon occasionally. It's kind of hilarious to be John Adams and things to do his voice, and I can immediately snap back into it. The whole feeling and everything of that character because it was just such. It was so present all the time. Can you can you snap back into it being an orangutan again? Is that how ingrained is that? I need the teeth. I need those huge teeth, those huge prosthetic teeth, and then I would feel I would feel right. The teeth it, were amazing. Was it more or less painful than it looked to to undergo that process? Because that that's that's I mean I it's glorious and wonderful, but it, that's got to be a bear of a role to do. That was this is Planet of the Apes, of course. By the way, yes, yeah. Planet of the Apes, and I played this orangutan in it. That was heaven from beginning to end. I loved that, doing that so much. I didn't want to take that makeup off. I was like, there were days when we would call in makeup and we wouldn't work. And Tim Burton would be like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm, I'm so happy to be in this fucking makeup. I was like, I was, because that was a, a childhood dream yeah. to be one of the apes. So I was like, if I if I never act again, I will be so happy I got to play a talking orangutan. You must be the one person upset about this wonderful mocap stuff. You're like, bring back the ma I want to go. I am a little bit. It's like those. I like the new ones. They're great, but I am a little bit like it's missing something with that tactile thing of those real faces and the original makeup is so iconic and strange yeah. actually too that there's nothing nothing quite yeah it's like not that. necessarily realistic and that's kind no. of okay that's it's this uncanny they're not quite people it's not quite real it's like it's it's great i love it and rick baker's makeup in, in the tim burton thing is amazing but you know it's 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 not the same thing you got to get in touch with guillermo i'm sure he would happily put you in nine pounds 90 Dude, pounds of I prosthetics love i love it i love wearing that stuff i love wearing that stuff <laughs> <laughs> you've always you've always been a as i understand it like a sci-fi fantasy mm -hmm. guy right like that Absolutely. was like like how did that manifest was that everything and anything were you like isaac asimov arthur c Clarke, like all of those guys sure i was yeah. more science fictiony than i was fantasy got it it's funny as i've gotten older i've read more fantasy stuff but it was more the science fictiony stuff and more the yeah guys like that and stuff yeah, yeah. Yeah, the more sciency stuff, even though, but like Philip K. Dick, which isn't really sciency, right? But but stuff like that, 
but not so much elves and orcs and stuff like that. But that stuff is cool. I like it. Yeah. But I just didn't read as much of it. You were supposed to play Philip K. Dick for a long time. Wasn't that like something that you were trying to do for a long time? Yeah, we tried. There was a biopic and several iterations and different ideas of it. And it just never happened. It yeah. was just was working with the family who were great and everything, but just never yeah. did. I would have loved to have done that. Where, where are you at on the Blade Runner films? You like them? Like both of them? All of them, the original one and the and the and the, and the twenty forty nine. Yeah. I did. I, I I like them. I'm I'm a little bit. They're great movies as movies as adaptations of Philip K. Dick. I don't know that I love them, right. but that doesn't matter. That's me right. being geeky about Philip K. Dick. But they're great movies. They're great. Has movies. there been? I'm I'm not I'm not well versus you are. What's been the best Philip K. Dick adaptation? I think the best one. Well, there's two things. I think the best one is the Richard Linklater Scanner Darkly. The, oh, the sure, animated. the rotoscope. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's actually really good. I'll tell you something funny. I saw Barbie, and at the end of Barbie, I turned to my girlfriend and I said, "Now he was no feminist, but this might be the best Philip K. Dick movie I've seen." <laughs> Wait, give me more. Give me <laughs> well, especially the ending when she meets her creator and she's sort of talking about. I was like, my God, this is like. I was like, is anybody else getting this? This is okay, Nick. I was like, this is crazy. I was like, this is amazing. There was something about the whole like going the weird world of Barbie. It's like the things. There's one of his books where everybody takes this drug that puts you into this kind of cartoon world and stuff. I mean, there's a bunch of them like that. And I and then clicking out into the real world and stuff. I was like, this is like a Philip Big Dick. It's like your it's like your Phil K. Dick thing. I thought it was great. There it is. There's Chinwag meets Paul Giamatti's movie career. That's that's what I'm looking for. That's what I wanted. <laughs> that's the goal. There we go. That's the good stuff. We got there. Um, and were you? I, I want to talk a little bit about your um, your role in Spider Man. I mean, Rhino sticks <laughs> okay. with sticks with you a it's, little it's... bit. <laughs> There's not much to be said, but yes. No, I have a lot to say. I have a lot. Okay, to right, say. great. Okay, no. good. Wow, here we go. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but like, that's. I mean, was that an enjoyable role? That again lets you kind of like choose some scenery in the best possible way, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, probably too much scenery. And that was yeah, it was great. That was shot out of a cannon. That was just so. Like, wow. And it was interesting to see how much was created on the fly with that. And it was practical stunts and stuff, which was really cool. And Andrew Garfield was amazing in that. There were times when I was like, you don't probably have to be doing this. They have a guy in a suit and nobody will be able to tell that it's not you. Right. He was so committed to that role. Oh my gosh. Amazing and physically amazing. Yeah. And it was crazy. I mean, it was like, I'm in a truck and I'm yelling in Russian. The only thing, everything I said was in Russian. Most of what I said was in Russian. And I think they showed it to an audience who was like, what is going on? What is he saying? And so I had to redub it in English, which was, uh, and so, or a lot of it in English. I don't even remember. It was so, it's such a blur. <laughs> That's like six Spider-Men ago. They they go through Spider-Man so quickly, as you well know. But like there was, there, there, there was all the talk of the Sinister Six at the time. Were you, did they even talk to you about that? No. No, I don't, I don't remember. I, I, yeah, I don't, it's like, I had just come off of doing a play for a while. And so I was a little bit out of it. And so I don't, I don't remember. I don't think they ever talked to me about any of that stuff. No, not that I remember. No. You're saying going from, was it Iceman cometh to Rhino a little discombobulating? <laughs> I, did, I did Hamlet. <laughs> oh, you did Hamlet at Yale, right? Yeah. I did Hamlet. Yeah. I had just finished doing Hamlet. And then I was like, oh, right. I got to go play the 
And so it was like, I don't know, it was just weird. It was a surreal period of my life. It also has to tell you something about like, uh, you know, your career is fascinating in that you have been able to toggle between character actor roles and leading man roles, but like you get to be Hamlet on stage and then they're like, can you be this crazy out there villain in two scenes in Spider-Man? No, and that's great. And that to me, that's like, it doesn't get any better than that than be able to do things to complete polar opposites of each other and stuff. That's if that's happening, I'm happy as a clam. So, so no sadness when they brought back, it seems like every Spider-Man villain, except for Rhino in that last Spider-Man movie. I felt for you, Paul. I was upset. <laughs> no, and I have to, I have to admit, I have not followed all the Spider-Man movies. I mean, I shouldn't be admitting this, but I haven't followed it. No, I think in the first place, the Rhino is a tricky one. I think the Rhino's a bit of a tricky one because if you really go Rhino, he's wearing like the Rhino suit with the horn and everything. I mean, it's hilarious. And I kind of thought, are you going to do that? Am I going to look like a Rhino with my face cut out thing? They didn't do that. They went with the mechanical thing. But the Rhino might be a tricky one in the first place, I think, you know? I'm in. I'm enraged for you. Okay, you don't have to be. It's, it's, I know when you woke up this morning promoting the holdovers, you did not expect the deep dive into Rhino. I apologize. Definitely did not. No, it's quite all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So I I will say, look, I love your work on Billions, but I am a little sad. I feel like it's taken you away out of the film game for a little minute. Like, I feel like the last time I saw you really front and center in a role, film role worthy of your talents, maybe Private Lives. uh, That's one I did during during Billions. And that's a great movie. That's a great movie. That's terribly underseen. I, I wish more people had seen it. Well, but that would be, you're right. That would be. And that was probably one of the only film things I did. I did maybe some other things, but yeah, but I didn't. No, it takes you away. And so, I mean, of off, you want to rest. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, what? so was that like in, in retrospect, obviously very proud of the work of Billions and really mm-hmm. worked for a, a significant audience. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, as it, it's look, you have to make choices. You can't do everything. No, no, Is no. that at the end of and the day? I got it. It. And, I, and, you know, they did let us do. And as it went along, they let us do more and stuff. And I did this. I did this. This crazy show called Thirty Coins that's on HBO Max. They let me right. do that between season six and season seven, and they started to because they were also didn't want us doing a whole lot, you know, right. especially not TV stuff. But so that was limited. But yeah, no, you're right. It, it did and, take us all away from doing that stuff. And where are you at right now in terms of like again, like I think people always think that actors can steer their career more than they actually can. Where we're even like even the ones like yourself who have this amazing career. They're still waiting for a script, (laughs) a great director to call. But what's your priority right now? Like you haven't done theater in a long while. You haven't done theater in a long time. I'd like to do a play. That would be really nice. I don't know what play or where I'd like to do it, but I'd love to do a play. Yeah, that would be great. And I, I don't know. I've been enjoying doing these kind of kooky genre things. This horror show that I did and stuff, stuff like that. It'd be fun. I don't know. I, I do have the luxury of being able to take it easy a little bit. Yeah, because of billions and stuff, and that that's nice. So I don't know, but theater would be nice. I'd like to do a play. Is there anything in the kind of genre world that you really have dug? Are you like a Black Mirror guy? Or are you like what's? You know, what I thought yeah. was great was Barbarian. Did you see Barbarian? Oh, Barbarian's fantastic! Yes, yes, fantastic. Zach Greger like, out of nowhere, this guy. Yeah, amazing. Really good movie. Mm-hmm. Really well made. Really delivered. I was like, that is good, man. So that I thought that was fantastic. 
Um, I've got some some random questions, as if the last few questions haven't been random for you. <laughs> if you thought that was random, strap in, no, buddy. Great. Totally great. It's great. Okay. You 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 worked with Tom Cruise, of course, on Rock of Ages. Yeah. Do you do you yeah. get the famous cruise cake? I'm obsessed with the cruise cake. Do you know about this? I, yes, I got the cruise cake for I think maybe three years. Oh, oh wow! And you fell off the cruise cake list. <laughs> I fell off the list. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I don't know what happened. But for know, those, did it move? Is that, there any reason? The shining it? moment. I got the I got the gigantic coconut cake, humongous and. Delicious, amazing. Delicious. Wow. I wonder if it's better never to have had. It's like better to have loved than lost. Like, do yes. you want the cruise? I think you're right. It's a wound. It's a wound that I, I thank you for bringing up. Thank you for putting salt in it today. Thank you so much. I'm just bitter, Paul. I've hosted the last two world premieres of Tom Cruise movies. And who, you've never who has a cake? Not one fucking cake. <laughs> Not one fucking cake. <laughs> well, if I had any way to get in touch with him, you'd have a cake. I would. I promise you. If I see him, I'll, I'll tell him that you need a cake. Well, we were talking. Here's a semi-serious question. We were talking about found family in 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 mm -hmm. the in the case of the holdovers, and that's what a film set is. These are yeah. these like these little found families, and right. it's it's a very it's a fascinating thing. Where like often these families don't last. Maybe no. sometimes you keep in touch with folks. Maybe you don't. Are you the kind of person that keeps in touch? Are you the person that makes an effort? Increasingly, as I'm getting older, and I fear loneliness. I, I'm more, I'm more, I'm now increasingly as I'm getting older, it must be something about getting older. I don't know, but uh, I do keep up with people more and it's, yeah. and I do try to, and you do form more lasting friendships, but you're right. You know, it's that thing. It's that, it's that great thing though. I think it's true of actors and I think it's true of that movie and it's true of a lot of things. It's that idea of, you know, maybe, maybe the family you were born into isn't the one you actually should be sticking with. You know, or hanging out with. So you know, you find these new families all the time, and it is, I think, something that matters to actors. And sometimes it takes five years, or ten years, or fifteen, or twenty, in the case of Alexander, and it comes back around, and yeah. you're at different places, and that must be a beautiful thing too. It was a very beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how close are you with The Rock? You've been in two films with The Rock: <laughs> San Andreas and Jungle Cruise. What a great question. I'm going to say. <laughs> Close is like, I mean, I mean, don't dance around it. Come on. Three. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're like communicating all the time. I think if I saw him, it would be really nice to see him. And it was nice spending time with him and it was great. We don't call each other or anything like that. We don't get together for dinner or anything like that. Uh, three. Okay. Okay. But a strong three. Strong three. A, three, a, a rising three. three. Yes. A rising three. We can only hope. We can only hope. But I did do those two movies, both of which were a lot of fun, I got to say. For some reason, San like Andreas the one... Really, San Andreas was really fun. For some both. reason, on the IMDb, I think Until You Die, San Andreas 2 will be listed. It's been listed forever, and I don't think it's going anywhere. So really? you either have to make it or just leave the search. I don't know what to, what to tell you. <laughs> it's been talked about. It's true. You're, you're right, though. And every now and then I hear somebody brings it up. They're like, eh. my agent will be like, but you know, San Andreas, too. They're talking about that. I'm like, really? And then nothing. <laughs> then nothing happens. It's a um, satisfying movie. It works for what it is, doesn't love it? Love that movie. Love it. And loved doing it. And and again, not the same dream as playing a talking ape, but bit of a dream to be the like scientist guy in the disaster movie who's like you people have not been listening to me nobody listened to me yes, yes. Know, that guy it's fantastic it was great it, is there any any genre or, or franchise you want me to secret into the universe for you what are we missing are you've done oh, no. 
Or do, do you want to be in a, in a, in a, I don't know, again, you did the comic book thing. I, would like I, know. To be, I yeah. don't know. I would like to be, there's been this kind of really great revival of kind of like, specifically Agatha Christie, but the kind of like drawing room murder stuff yeah. that kind of like, I love stuff like that. And I think it's great that people are making stuff like that again. Like knives out and only I get yes. and I feel like the kids these days are digging that stuff, and that, that's nice. No, no, but oh, I, you don't I say it that. Don't say it that way. That's that. that that's it. That's as it came no. out of my mouth. I was nope. like, "That's it." I just ruined yep. my chances. Nope. You you were in <laughs> knives out three, and then you lost it in the space of ten seconds. Knives <laughs> out three. Oh God! But I would like to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, be fun to play like a detective like that, but or to play just somebody in that movie. That world of that kind of world, I love that whole thing. A, a rival to Benoit Blanc in in Knives Out Three. Sure. Yeah, that would be great to be the guy who's going up against him. Yes, I like that. That's very good. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, we're kicking up Let's one more notch in, in the final stretch. The happy, yeah. sad, confused, profoundly random questions. What do you collect, Paul Giamatti? Do you collect anything? Books. Books. Okay. I collect books. I have a huge book collection. What's the wallpaper on your phone? Um, it's like a weird, it's a weird, hold on so that you can see it. I know you can't really see it. It's like a strange kind of fantastical painting of a Mexican wrestler, of a masked Mexican wrestler. I can't, I can't yep, get it. That, that checks out. Yep. Yep. That's accurate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a weird uh, of a masked wrestler. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. I get it. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you for getting it. Yeah. Last actor you were mistaken for. Uh, I think I've been mistaken for Larry the Cable Guy three times. Oh, and that might have been not, the last time. That's Listen, not appropriate. That's <laughs> sorry. But that I mean, that's that's the honest truth. Other than that, I don't think I've been mistaken for anybody else. No, I think it's Larry the Cable Guy, pretty much. Can can you do a Christopher Walken impression? Have you ever tried one in your life? I haven't really. Okay. What does he do? Now I'm like, what does he do? It's like all staccato kind of, kind of, all of this kind of thing, right? It's all like, hey, all this kind of, ah, I can't think of like, what would he say? <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was it. Oh, that was, that was what? Oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> um, what's the most annoying thing about you, according to friends, family, co-workers <laughs> holy cow um that's a really good question um i never uh, answer my phone oh <laughs> that annoys people that's not a good thing. Like, no i'm not a good texter not a good okay. yeah i'm bad with a lot of that stuff what's the most common complaint from you on a set what gets under your skin huh that's interesting um, the most common complaint from me, don't tend to complain all that much, I don't think. I suppose I would be, I suppose if it's, I don't know. That's a really okay. easy going Paul. That's great. I this is a good, this is wonderful. I'm, I'm literally sitting here going, I don't complain about it. If it's going too slow, I don't complain about it. I don't complain about somebody not knowing their lines. It's okay. I mean, it's like, I can't think of anything. We get it. You're perfect. This oh, is wonderful. It's too hot. If it's too hot, I don't like it. A sweater. Yep. Uh, worst note a director has ever given you? 
I don't love faster all the time. I don't love faster. And it's like, which is it's fine sometimes, but you get it sometimes for no really good reason. And I get a little bit tired of faster all the time. It. it just feels like kind of a lame default. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, okay, now I'm just talking fast. Why am I talking so fast now? I mean, it's not a bad thing. You should keep things moving along, but I get a little bit bit faster. Who's an actor that always makes you happy? You see them on screen. Robert Duvall. Not a false note possible from that man, right? A uh, movie that makes you sad? Um, the Third Man. Good. And food that makes you confused. You don't get it. Oh, wow. Um, Jesus Christ. This is tricky. Uh, a food that makes me confused. You see it on a menu. You're like, I, like for me, it's like. Why uh, be yeah, like what? Yeah, beets. I don't, what, what is, what is the beets thing? I don't get, like, what am I missing? Goat cheese. Goat cheese. Goat cheese. Goat I don't cheese. understand why goat cheese is a thing. Cheese, great, but goat cheese of all things. Goat, yeah, cheese, consistency. Fine. cheese fine. Goat cheese, I don't, I don't like, yeah. It's crumbly, it's weird, it's sour. I don't like it. Yeah, it's just like Paul Giamatti. That's how I would describe you. Crumbly, crumbly weird, and sour. And sour. <laughs> God. All right, there you go. Never, never. Um, congratulations on the holdovers. Thank Thanks for putting up with my my silliness. Um, Fantastic. Really I great. really, Thank you. I'm always a fan of yours. Uh, it's it's taken a while to have this kind of conversation over the years, but I'm glad it's for the holdovers and gives yeah. us a chance to reflect in this way. Um, yeah. Good luck with the silly season. I hope to see you somewhere out in a silly party at one of these things. And congratulations again, man. Thank, Thank you. you very much, sir. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Yep. Thank you. All right. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Bye. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>